0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night. And Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week we got a fucking banger, UFC 236. Quick shout out to my boy LV on uh, Twitter for always doing all my graphic work. But he's always been putting out these posters right now for the for the UFC events, and they got another fucking smoker right here with uh, the Halloween Poirier one. So make sure you guys follow him. Twitter right at the bottom at L. For some reason, he does, I'm going I'm to I'm give him some slack for this real quick before I give you guys a Twitter handle. He always switches the LV and makes it two Ws or makes it two Vs to make it look like a W or something like that. I don't know why my man LV does that. I always call him LV. His fucking Twitter handle is always LV. So LV, that's what we're going by. I know it's Levy Levi. This guy's from Finland, by the way, so fucking dope dude anyway make sure you guys check him out hit him up as well for uh, graphic designs he's on all my logos for my uh lock of the night the new one that we got as well as the older one as well uh but at lw MMA underscore so make sure you guys hit him up uh always killing the game with the graphic design but yes ufc 236 is going down this weekend big card after one weekend off with the ufc uh but before i get into that shit we gotta bring my man big rob in the house and we're doing the casuals once again
1: yeah, what's going
0: on? Yay, yeah, yeah. All right. So, straying a little bit from our normal show, Big Rob a big knockout and get his reaction from it, we had something different happen this past weekend, which a lot of MMA fans tuned into due to the fact that there was no other MMA on. Bare Knuckle FC. They're starting up, well, this is their fifth event, but they're slowly gaining traction. Uh, Bare Knuckle FC is exactly what it sounds like bare knuckle boxing just M- not mma boxing okay bare knuckles so boxing without gloves without gloves the only thing that they're allowed to have that you'll see is um a wraps for their wrists so when they punch they still have like some reinforcement so their hand doesn't twist or they sprain their hand or okay. Anything like that, that right okay that
1: seems fair you don't want to reduce the damage
0: exactly now talking about damage is this guy's fingers <laughs> going to start
1: flying <laughs> off his
0: hands? <laughs> it might be a little bit worse than that. Okay. So I'm going to be showing my man the uh, the highlight video for the main event of that event, which was uh, Artem Lobov against Jason Knight. I'm going to be showing them the highlights that MMA fighting was able to put together. Uh, I believe they got some credentials to the show. Again, there was no other shit, nothing else going on. So they made a trip down to Mississippi and watched... Uh, bare-knuckle boxing also with Mississippi. Okay. That's, I think, one of the few, maybe, I think, maybe max five states that regulate and legalize bare-knuckle boxing. So they have to go okay. to these weird one. I think uh, Wyoming is another one. okay. Fucking Mississippi. So, yeah, it's pretty illegal in pretty much every other state and or province. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to start it right from the beginning. Okay. Again, the highlights for Arthur Lobov and Jason Knight. I'll even put the, the link in the description if you guys want to watch it too. But... Uh, yeah, so they're just going to show it, like, going from their entrances. So, yeah, that's pretty much, like, the, the hand wraps that they have, or a wrist wrap, we would call them.
1: I'm guessing they're pretty tight.
0: Uh, yeah. Like, you want to make sure that your wrist has no fucking movement when you're punching. Okay. Okay. Will so they break their knuckles? Look, he lost a tooth already within oh. the first round. They have mouthpieces, but he still somehow lost a tooth.
1: It was a big tooth. I know.
0: So, it's five two-minute rounds. So, they fight for ten minutes, but in two-minute intervals. It's just... So, both of these guys Very used to be in raw. the UFC. Yeah. Both of these guys used to be in the UFC, but they were just not good enough to... Yeah. It's... I... I well, okay,
1: let me I ask you this. Know. With the UFC, there's obviously rules and... Yes. And it's all
0: regulated by the government.
1: So, when I see UFC and I see them fighting, when I see these guys, it doesn't seem like they're conforming to any rules. It's just like, it's just... Balls to the wall? Yeah.
0: So, Uh, this guy kind of has that reputation of just being a slugger. So, even when he was in the UFC, like, look at... like.
1: Oh, man, what's wrong with it? Uh, His hand looks like a blooming onion.
0: Yeah. uh, (laughs) Oh, oh, fuck. I wish they showed, like, more other pictures. Uh, Let me show you just... uh, Hold on. Jason Knight... Artem Lobov.
1: But when this guy's career is done, it's going to be like stumps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But look at these post-fight images of... Okay. They're fucking... Okay, so this is what they look like before.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) And this is... Where is it? Here's one. There's one right here. This is what they look like after. Oh,
1: my God. Like... like, I I mean... You see how how, how many cuts... Yeah, like how... How sustainable is that? I mean, how many fights can you get out of that sport with those same players?
0: So a lot of people have... Joe Rogan is a guy that really fucking talks about this. He thinks that it should be bare-knuckle. Like, all fighting should be bare-knuckle because it uh, is the least amount of damage that would happen to your hands. Something like that. But look at... like, It looks like a fucking horror movie. Like, pretty much every every fight has the competitors ending up like that. It's just... It's not... There's something about it that doesn't sit right with me. And I love MMA, which is weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind when somebody gets cut with an elbow or something like that. But it, they... Rarely ever do you ever see a guy like this fucked up
1: after a fight. It, yeah, it's a And there's
0: so much cutting that's going to happen because of the knuckles, right? Like, the knuckles uh, and the punching and all, obviously all the punching and all that. But still, like... It's fucking nuts how it just seems more barbaric even though they're almost doing the same thing that boxers do.
1: Absolutely. Same
0: thing that... Yeah, it's just a boxing fight with no gloves but it just seems so much more barbaric.
1: I think because instead of... When you see boxing, a lot of the bleeding is inside whereas this, because you're not wearing the protection, it's actually showing what the inside kind of looks like also on the outside. And a lot of times with boxing people hide that and they say okay they're boxing they're
0: you know, very rarely sport. do you see cuts in boxing right, right? just because like I don't, i'm don't. i not sure if they do it for this but uh for mma and boxing before they go into the cage they rub their faces with vaseline mm. so like if you are to get hit with a shot there yes. is a chance that it will slide off and not produce a cut
1: okay
0: right so i'm not sure if they applied vaseline to them like i i only watched the, this fight mm. um but uh yeah I, I don't know how I feel about. It. Like is this something that you feel like you'd be able to get behind as a casual? Uh,
1: it reminds me of like there was something I used to watch uh, uh, with some friends and I'm not going to mention the name of it but, <laughs> but basically it was having these homeless people fight each other. Okay. And it was huge in the 90s.
0: Interesting. Oh 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 wait, I think I know. Yeah, I, yeah, talking I think about, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and then it got shut down. Ah, right, and when I used to watch it, I used to laugh and think it was kind of funny, even I though know. I felt bad. But yep. then I see why it got shut down because of for certain reasons. Yeah. So, so and then I, I don't know. I st- I kind of feel bad for these guys, but at the same time, I do time, too. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I do too. The fucked up thing about it is... okay. Just a quick backstory. This guy, uh, Artem Lobov, yeah. uh, he is probably the main training partner for conor mcgregor okay so he only really has a name because he's connor's boy Mm. uh and connor had a beef with a boxer um like because he he trained with a certain boxer in his lead up to the floyd mayweather fight and uh he ended up he kind of just like you know left a bad impression on that guy and they ended up having some beef and now that boxer who has been retired for a long time now uh is signed with this promotion to fight this guy. Really? Yeah. So hit, they already ended, like so this guy ended up winning the fight. Yeah. And uh, they've already announced right after the fight, June 22nd, I think it's June 22nd, uh, Artem Lobov against Paulie Malignaggi. Oh shit! So they're hoping that like that's going to create a little bit more buzz. It's going to get a guy who's pretty well known in the combat world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paulie Malignaggi, to fight a guy who he has beef with uh, through Conor McGregor, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's weird that it's going to... I think if it were to ever take off, that would be the event that it would take off after. But it could also raise a lot of questions afterwards, too. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the people that actually end up watching it are like, fuck, this is... I don't know. I Personally, as an MMA fan, I didn't enjoy watching it.
1: That's what I'm getting at. Like, I didn't
0: uh, enjoy watching it.
1: I mean, they're shorter and they're yeah. more intense. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, the, it just looks like they... Um, there's just too much damage.
0: The, in the, apparently in the middle of the event, the, the president of the, this company came out and he said that the guy in the last fight uh, was running too much. Even okay. though he won the fight, he was apparently running too much. Uh, so he's going to cut his pa- purse in half and give it to his opponent who lost. And apparently, afterward, like everybody shit on the guy and then two days later or whatever, I think it was yesterday. Okay. Uh, the fighter that had gotten his purse cut in half came yeah. out and said, they paid me in full. I think it was more so of a a ploy to get the rest of the fighters on the card to fight. Like, you're fighting for your paycheck. Yeah. When or draw, you're going to go out there with your hand swinging. So I think that's kind of what they're like alluding to, saying that he just said it to like, uh, you know, get the passion and get mm. the blood flowing for the rest of the guys. So there's a lot of just fucking sketchiness. And the fact that, again, it's not legal in many states. Yeah. So it's going to be a hard sport to really... Get people behind, and again, it just it produces Chucky-like characters. Oh, hundred <laughs> I mean, percent, man!
1: It really does look like that. Yeah, and there really is like it, it is I mean, I, there's probably some basic rules, but it's not money rules, right? It's just pretty yeah. much like
0: very basic just, rules. Yeah, just punch each other in the face, no takedowns, yeah. no elbows, nothing like that. It's wow. boxing yeah. without gloves. All right, that's it. Nuts, eh? <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts.
1: What do they think of next? <laughs> I don't know. They,
0: uh, Funny one. Uh, X-Arm. Yeah. Have you ever heard of X-Arm? Let me fucking show you No, this no. Well, let's take the look creator look. of the UFC created this. X-Arm. <laughs> Let me fucking mute this shit. All right. Uh, show me... Hold on. X-Arm highlights. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to die I'm not even going to explain it to you I'm just going to let you watch it okay
1: <laughs> is this like American Gladiators uh, <laughs> it, that's what it's kind of looking like right yeah from, from first impressions yeah
0: what <laughs> what can you make of this
1: it's like arm rustles <laughs> no <laughs> what are you talking about I've seen this. I've seen yeah. this.
0: <laughs>
1: like 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 a commercial for years ago. What the hell is
0: this? So they fucking tape their arms together in the, in a yeah. No. Yep. So you either knock each other out, pin the guy's arm, or submit them. Oh wow, that's such a
1: challenge. Oh come on. Oh co- like really?
0: fucking nuts
1: it's an interesting concept because
0: you're forcing the guys to fight like they're right there
1: yeah reminds me of um, like that does
0: not look like it could be oh my god it's (laughs)
1: it reminds me of Michael Jackson beat it when (laughs) when when the two guys they tape their hand together and they have knives the two of them have knives in one hand each <laughs> and they're like, just squaring off yeah 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 and there's like someone's someone's not gonna <laughs> be happy with the results <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude I, that yeah x-arm wow. bare knuckle boxing it's just they're trying to find new sports that are going to be like the new ufc
1: so is that old and it flopped or is that something that's still coming out i don't or, think I don't it's it.
0: around anymore yeah um I remember hearing it more so maybe like 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah, it was when the uh the when the company that brought the UFC to fame, when yeah. they bought it from the old owners. Okay. That old owner went out and tried to create something else new. Oh my god. Yeah. There was a, like two or three other guys, but like it was yeah, it was so stupid.
1: Dude, imagine like zero gravity fighting They put them in the plane, and bottom the plane out, they're all floating and they're just like <laughs> yeah. knocking each other last out, man, spinning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, like, yeah. like the sport of the future. Yeah, you see
1: like the spit and blood floating in the air and just <laughs> weightless.
0: They just have to slow everything down. Like yeah. everything's just in fucking slow motion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Rob. As always, I appreciate your input. And uh, that's a casual perspective on the bare-knuckle boxing and my own perspective as well. I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter, but I didn't want to give my two cents because I knew it was just going to blow up into something else. So I just saved it for the fucking podcast and got my man Rob to help me out as well. Yeah. All right, so... Let's get into this fucking bitch. (laughs) I'm pissed because I'm so excited to get into this. It feels like forever since I've been able to break down a fight for you guys or an event for you guys. Um, But we are back after two weeks and with a banger of a card, like I said. So uh, let's quickly go over my last UFC event, uh, which was a fucking sweep, which is what I needed after, again, a very tumultuous UFC UFC Nashville. We come back for UFC on ESPN2, which went down in Philadelphia, and we go for another sweep, baby. All right, lock of the night play was David Branch versus Jack Romanson to not go to a decision. and put five units at minus 175. Cast that bitch. Easy as fuck. 50 seconds. Jack Ramanson gets that guillotine, gets the choke, uh, and gets the victory. um, Big win for him. And we just found out recently that he's going to have a big shot as well uh, when he goes up against uh, Jacare Souza, headlining the UFC Sunrise or Florida Card, whatever they're calling it. Uh, but quick turnaround for him, big fight for him. Uh, you know he's in shape again. He didn't really take much damage. We got the takedown quick and and got the submission over David Brown. So I'm very excited to see Jacare Manson. Uh, you know climbing the the, the ranks. Uh, this Jacare Souza, even though this Jacare Souza fight, even though it's a short notice fight, I think it's something that he can definitely win. Um, and I'm glad that he's taking the chance and jumping right on it. So that was my lock of the night play. My dog of the night play, at least the first one I'll say, uh, went hand in hand with that Hermanson win, because I put 1.5 units on Hermanson to win inside the distance at plus 160. That cashed for 2.4 units. And then lastly, in the main event... Uh, you know, I was thinking of playing Enrique Barzula, Barzula that night. Only if he got to plus money. Um, glad I dodged that bullet. Uh, I ended up going with Justin Gaethje because I thought he had a crazy style to finish uh, Edson Barboza. I thought it was going to be a little bit more drawn out than uh, one round, but I'll fucking take it. He gets the victory within one round. Uh, I had one unit at plus 1.13 units. I'm sorry, at plus... Ugh, one unit at plus 113, which profited for plus 1.13 units. So to end it all off... Plus 6.39 units on UFC Philadelphia. Super psyched about that. Glad to be right back in uh, into the thick of things. And uh, that leads us right the fuck into UFC 236. Holloway versus Poirier. I went down uh, during the uh, Combatoceurs episode, the first one that we did. I talked about how I'm just not that excited for it. well. For the order of things, I'm not that excited for it. Uh, But for the entertainment part of it is what I'm most excited for. I mean, we know it's going to be a great fight. They fought before. Uh, It was a great fight last time, but they've made... Massive, massive improvement since the last time they met, and now we're going to be able to see it on full display in the co event. We got uh, Calvin Gaslam against Israel Adesanya, another great fight. You know, rankings-wise, it doesn't make sense since Jacare and Yoel are ranked ahead of both those guys and probably deserve the title shot or, or something uh, more than them. But uh, you know, Kevin was supposed to fight for the uh, supposed to fight Robert Whitaker before that unfortunate um, you know last-minute pullout. Uh, but whatever, regardless, we're getting Ezra Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum, which is, should be a great fight regardless. Uh, what else? There's one more big fight that I'm very excited for on this card. Uh, uh, yeah, the return of Nikita Karlov, which is decent. Uh, Wilson Hayes against Alexander pa- Alexandre Pantoja, great fight. Uh, return of Alan Joban. Uh, Eric Anders versus Khalil Raju, which should be a great fight. Uh, Curtis Miller against Balaam Muhammad. Another great fucking fight. So, um, why fucking waste any more time? Let's just get into this. I will start this. What? <laughs> uh, before I get into that. Um, there are two fights that I have not been able to look as in, as deep into as I wish I had. Um, I'm still taking the next couple of days to look over them. Uh, but, let's fucking... I'm sorry for all the people that don 't like the horns but I gotta throw it out there I'm done my part time job. I will be dedicating all of that time to uh, this sports handicapping game, uh, this MMA handicapping game. I'm very excited to see how it's going to uh, you know affect me in terms of you know getting more sleep, dedicating even more time to it, um, you know dedicating even time into the podcast as well as making it, making it even better if I can. Uh, And then finding things that I'm kind of, you know, that I may be skipping out on because I've already sat on a player or something like that. So I might see something in these two fights that I haven't really looked into much um, later in this week. And again, you guys just tune into my Twitter at M M A L O T N to see if I've changed my opinion or anything like that. Uh, But I do want to see a little bit more of uh, these four fighters So I'm, I will let you guys know beforehand before going into it. Uh, but do not take uh, my advice on those two fights uh, too seriously. Again, I, if you're looking for in-depth knowledge on those two fights, I would highly suggest going check, checking out one of those other MMA handicappers. Uh, but I I can't wholeheartedly say that I have the best read on these two fights. Um, but with that said let's just kick off the card this card i do feel like i have a decent read on uh and the read is that nobody should have a decent read on this fucking fight so let's get right the fuck into it uh brandon davis versus randy costa so randy costa is coming into this fight uh relatively short notice um you know only four and oh all of his finishes all of his finishes have come within roughly a minute in the first round so he's just been demolishing these guys you know his uh His pro debut was against a guy that was already 0-4. His third fight was against a guy that was 5-9. And and then his last fight was against a guy that was 0-1. So I don't know how people are really able to cap this fight correctly, or at least confidently, considering the little that we know about Randy Costa. You know, what we have seen from him, he has good head kicks, he has decent stand-up, he has a lot of power in his hands, and he's just demolishing these dudes. But these guys are kind of cat. You know, let's see where this fucking so his this Kenny Lewis guy that he beat was 0-0 when he beat him back in uh, August of 2018, and he's still 0-1. So he hasn't really fought since then. Um, let's see these other guys. Rob Fuller. You know, he had managed to lose two more fights after losing to Randy Costa. Uh, Stacy Anderson was 0-4. Now he's 0-6. So. You really got to question the level of competition that Randy Costa has been fighting up until now. And now he has a pretty big step up against a guy that's kind of pretty average, mediocre, in my opinion. You know, Brandon Davis loves to bring the heat. He's 9 and 6. Um, you know, some tough outs in his last fights uh, against the beat, Magomed Shirpuff, so you can't really blame him for that one. And then Enrique Barzola, you know, very grinding. Uh, style bar Barzola. So if Randy Costa wants to bring in a grinding style against Brandon Davis, he could probably get the victory here. But we have seen nothing on tape that suggests that. We've seen that Randy Costa wants to go out there, swing some leather, and try to get the knockout ASAP. Um, We have seen him get it from, you know, many different things, body shots, head kicks. You know, he is capable of getting the finish from all these different places or these different angles. But the thing is with Brandon Davis, he's a tough motherfucker, you know. He's gone to a decision against Kyle Bachniak, Enrique Barzola. Um, he got RNC'd in his second ever fight or his second pro fight. So I'm not sure if, you know, you can really bank on the fact that you're going to be able to knock this guy out because who knows, you know, a guy as green as Randy Costa at only 4-0, O. Um, you know, you can't confidently better either side, in my opinion. So, you know, with Brandon Davis, you know you're going to get a guy that likes to kind of push the pace, likes to, you know, stay in your face, likes to strike, likes, loves a fucking scrap. You know I mean? His fight with Kyle Bokniak was some banana shit. Um, but I, I, I'm i going to give the edge to Brandon Davis here just through experience and, and the fact that we have more tape on him. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Randy Costa come in there and get the upset too. So... My pick for the podcast is going to be Brandon Davis, but if you like money, I would suggest not betting on that fight, because <laughs> you just can't get an accurate read on it. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, but yeah, pick would be Brandon Davis. <clears throat> Next up, we got Lauren, uh, Lauren Mueller against Poliana Botello. Starting off with Poliana Botello, she's sitting at 7-2 and two with her last loss coming to Cynthia Calvillo. The interesting thing about both of her losses were to Viviane Pereira and Cynthia Cavio. Both girls are kind of known for a little bit more grapple-heavy games. Uh, you know, so Cynthia Calvillo came into that fight uh, by missing weight, but she, you know, made no bones about it and went in there and did what she needed to do, which was get the takedown and then eventually get the RNC in that fight. Uh, you know, we've seen Poliana Botello show flashes of, of, of. Above average fighting against fight uh, against girls like Pearl Gonzalez and against Sayuri Kondo where she like dusted her pretty quickly in 33 seconds. Um, in this fight against Laura Mueller, she's fighting a girl that's coming off her first ever MMA loss. Uh, Laura Mueller, you know, she was supposed to go in there and completely dust uh, Yinan Wu. She was a very heavy favorite, minus 385. Uh, and then, you know, she got armbar in, in four minutes. Um, the fight before that completely lit up Shauna Dobson. Uh, this is going to be a very intriguing fight to see who's going to be able to implement their striking game more. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to Poliana Botello though. Uh, I think that she is definitely, uh, you know, a solid pick here. Uh, would I bet her? No. Uh, currently sitting at minus 162 on Sportbet. Uh, I think that's a little bit chalky, considering that, you know, Laura Miller can completely come out there and stifle the striking game of Poliana Botello. So, uh, I... <laughs> I think with Botello's Muay Thai, um, with her, you know, she has some great leg kicks too. I think that could create some problems for Lauren Mueller. So I I am going to go with uh, Poliano Botello here. Again, I wouldn't bet it, uh, but if you feel like you have a really good read on that fight, I would definitely go for it. But I I do think that Poliano Botello holds the advantages there. Next up, we got Montel Jackson versus Andre Sukumtat. Uh, Montel Jackson, you know, he had that. His first ever hiccup in his pro career against Ricky Simone in his uh, UFC debut. And then he comes back and gets an easy dark choke over Brian Kelleher, who, again, as you guys already know, I'm not really high on. Uh, Andre Sukumtut, another guy I'm not really high on. Uh, you know, good striker, has some power, you know, put out um, Luke Sanders. Um, but Montel Jackson is a very intriguing prospect here at 135. Uh, you know, long, lanky, has that John Jones's build. Mini John Jones. I don't know if it's racist at this point to call it, you know, all guys that are black and lanky John Jones. <laughs> uh, there's another guy, I forget Curtis Miller, Some people were talking about um, Kevin Holland. But regardless, just getting back to the point, uh, Montel Jackson. I think he has a lot of potential, though. You know, I'm, I think that Ricky Simone fight is going to be kind of his like one learning experience. You know, I think he's going to um, at least he's going to be working endlessly now to improve his grappling. I apologize, guys. I had a long fucking night. I got sucked into watching WrestleMania, and I hate myself for it. Especially the fact that I finished at like 1230. I'm fucking exhausted. Regardless. Uh, Montel Jackson. I think he's going to be able to, uh, you know, impose his will against Andre Sukumtat. I think he has decent uh, understanding of the, the striking uh range and i think with his range as well speaking of distance uh he'll be able to stay out of the big shots from andre sukhamtad we've seen from the past as well Sukumtat doesn't have the best fight iq you know had uh, pretty much uh a bow put on that uh sean o'malley fight especially after sean o'malley broke his foot and still managed to fuck that up somehow so <laughs> um even though Andre Sukomtir is the more weathered guy with 19 fights, I think that this is kind of Montel Jackson's time, and this is just going to be another like skull that he adds to his collection. So, I think that Montel Jackson, with his range, uh, you know, throws in some kicks, maybe gets a takedown, could probably even tap Andre Sukomtir here. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, you know, he showed off his dark game last time; he might be able to show off something even nicer this time against Andre Sukumta. But uh, at the current odds of roughly around minus 400, I think he was sitting at minus 500. Jesus. I just, I don't know. We've seen crazier things. Again, we saw, we saw fucking Andre Sukumta put out uh, Luke Sanders as well. So um, I'd be skeptical, uh, but I definitely got Wantel Jackson here. Next fight, we got Curtis Millender against Bilal Muhammad. Curtis Millender making a very quick turnaround. He just fought in uh beginning of March, so... A, a month plus four days is all it took for him to get back into the cage this weekend against Bilal Muhammad. Last time around, he uh, I actually cashed against him. I had Elisio Zaleski Dos Santos, um, or I'm, as I'm going to call him from now on, shout out to the CME, EZ Dos Santos. Um, you know, Dos Santos made it very. Fucking clear right off the bat, what he wanted to do. He he took the fight to the ground as soon as he could. Uh, got the RNC. It seemed like almost like Cr- Curtis Millender was just a fish out of water in that fight. Crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, giving Elysio props in terms of just being a stand-up guy, being a flashy Capoeira type guy. But uh, you know, he knew what he had to do. Curtis Millender has a very disciplined and good kickboxing game, and 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 and. You know, a really good kickboxing game. You know, he manages his distance well. He manages f- manages his footwork well. And is able to just completely 30-27 a lot of the guys that he fights. Um, but, you know, he shows a complete uh, deficiency when it comes to the... Uh, the, the takedowns, or at least his takedown defense. So I think that Bilal Muhammad is going to have a lot of success here. You know, he pushes the place a lot. I think he's fine with eating a couple shots on the way in, and uh, he may be at a little bit of a height disadvantage and reach disadvantage here. Uh, we got Curtis Miller with a 78-inch reach with 6'2", uh, 5'10", with a 71-inch reach so he's going to be giving up about a seven inches of reach but I don't think a guy with a guy like Bilal Mohammed that's something that he has to worry about you know he's Bilal's fought tall guys in the past like Tim means and I think that he knows what's gonna be coming at him Uh and I I love his aggression I love his pace his his cardio is on point and I think that he'll be able to get numerous uh, takedowns on Curtis Melinder and maybe get a, a late uh, submission maybe like a second round late second round submission Um you know he doesn't do the best at keeping guys down, but he has a very good success rate in terms of getting guys down consistently. So I, I think that this is a very tough fight for Curtis Milner and I'm surprised that he took such a fight on such short notice. Um, but good for anybody that's betting on Bilal Muhammad. You know I thought uh, we would eventually see plus money on Muhammad, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. So I'm probably going to pass on it. Uh, but I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't bat an eye at anybody that bet Bilal Muhammad at even anything at like minus 140 or something. So I think Bilal holds value there and uh, uh, I think he gets this victory. You know, a, a lot of people may also kind of point to it as like recency bias. Like you, you shouldn't be counting out Millinder just because he got choked down in his last fight. But Bilal Muhammad presents that style and we saw it like right off the bat. He would be completely stupid to do not try not to uh, implement his clinch slash grappling slash takedown game. It would be mind-boggling if I don't see Bilal Mohamed get, uh, you know, several takedowns, um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Bilal Mohamed by second round submission, now, this is one of the fights, this, yeah, this is one of the fights that I don't really have the best read on, I still need to dig into a little bit more, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that, we're going to go with uh, uh, Boston Salmon by, um, by decision. That is based on zero evidence <laughs> whatsoever. So please don't mind me on that matchup, but I don't want to talk out of my ass. Next up, we got Max Griffin against Zalim Imadeyev. Uh Zalim Imadeyev. Imadeyev. I've been getting a lot of compliments on how I've been pronouncing some of these guys' names, but I will also still butcher other names. Just throwing it out there. Uh, with Zalim, you're getting a guy who is kind of similar to Randy Costner in the sense that they just go in there and get the job done and get the fuck out of there. You know, he's finished. he finishes last guy in 13 seconds, uh, 3 minutes and 17 before that, 1 minute 33 before that, uh, and then you have a third-round finish, second-round finish, first-round, second-round. So this guy does not like go into a decision. He gets finishes, he gets in there, he gets out of there. Uh, throws heavy, you know, uh, decent... Top control when he gets the fight to the ground, but I'm not sure if that's really what he's looking for. Uh, I think he has an interesting matchup here with Max Griffin, where you know we know that Max Griffin likes to be on his bicycle. We know that he likes to move a lot. Um, You know he showed it clearly in that Mike Perry fight, where he was able to, you know, stay out of the way of any big big shots uh, and still get the uh, decision victory over Mike Perry there. Uh, But then we also see him get outstriked in his last two fights against Curtis Millender and Tiago Alves. You know, there's an asterisk beside that Tiago Alves fight. Sure, I'll you know I'll I'll talk about that like in terms of I'll I'll notify it or what, what's the fucking word I'm looking for. <laughs> I will anyway. I I will note that it's there. I will note that it happened, and a lot of people think that Max Griffin won that fight, but it was a very close fight. You know what I mean? I think that this Lima Mediev guy, if he wants to, he could probably push the pace and probably get Max Griffin out of there, but. He's going to have to be smart about it, because max Triffin again, he has shown uh glimpses uh of of talent where he is going to be able to you know get it uh, get away from these guys uh, but still land enough punches to win each round. um I don't know if this Salim guy you know we don't know much about his cardio he's been to the third round uh one time uh not one time. what am I talking about? I'm looking at the wrong record here. Oh, he has been. I was looking at the right one. <laughs> he's only been to the third round one time, so we got to n- kind of know what his pacing is like. That's what we're going to see from this fight. Uh, the fight is currently at a pick'em, or roughly around a pick'em. So, you know, I don't know which way to really go here. Because uh, Zalim definitely shows a lot of power, and we've seen Max Griffin get KO'd before. Um, he's, well, he got ground and pounded by a. Kobe Covington, you know, I'm going to go with Zalim here, I've, again, I've never been super impressed by Max Griffin, and I think that this is a decent fight for Zalim to, you know, be introduced into the UFC, I think he catches Max Griffin and puts him out, uh, maybe even gets him down, or tries to get him down, uh, and then gets the, the the knockout after closing the distance from that, but I'm going to go with Zalim by second round KO. Next up, we got a very intriguing fight, actually, Vers- Wilson Hayes against Alexandre Pantoja, Um, Wilson Hayes, kind of a vet at this point. You know, he's born in 85. He's only 34. That's very interesting. He seems like he's more like 38 or something like that. Uh, Pantoja sitting at 28. Um, so Wilson Hayes is coming off a United States decision over Ben Nguyen where he pretty much just clamped onto Nguyen and just tried to work from there. Uh, you know, nothing major, you know, no real like submission, uh, threat. Um, at least nothing, you know, enough to get the victory here Uh, but in the Ben Nguyen fight you know he made it very clear what he wanted to do right off right off the bat which was close the distance uh hold on to Nguyen and just try to wear him out that way. It's going to be interesting to see how he tries to implement that game type on a, on a Alessandre Pantoja. You know, Pantoja is very skilled on the ground, has some beautiful sweeps, some beautiful transitions. The way that he was able to get Oka uh, Sasaki's back was fucking crazy. I, I, even, I had to watch the back a couple of times to kind of understand how he got that. But, uh, you know, great back take, back take there from Pantoja in the Sasaki fight, which was his last fight too. But... Um, if Wilson Hayes is able to maybe get this into the latter half of the second round, I think that he has a little bit of... Um, he may be able to steal those last two rounds. Like the, the last half of that second round and then the third round. Just based off his... Uh, I think he has a slightly better gas tank than Pantoja. I think that he you know, could uh, control the grappling enough. And, and I, I don't think Pantoja will be explosive enough later in that fight to secure a a submission against a guy like Wilson Hayes. But it's really the first round and a half that I'm worried about Wilson Hayes. Because Pantoja, decent on the feet. You know, not the worst. I would kind of rate him slightly better than Wilson Hayes. Um, And then, again, his jiu-jitsu just really looks on point. He's the younger guy. You know, I think he might be the stronger guy here, too. Uh, Very, very intriguing fight. Uh, I'm going to go with Pantoja by, by... Probably by sub. No, you know what? I'm going to say by decision. I think that he wins enough of the second round to get that second round, and then hold on long enough uh, to get the decision victory here. So I'm going to go by with uh, Pantoja by uh, by decision. Um, again, it, it's going to be like you know, first half of the fight is going to be Pantoja. Second half of the fight could be Vosin. It just depends on how lo- how well Pantoja's uh, gas tank is be able to, is able to uh, withstand it. You know, he showed decent uh, decent. Cardio in the second Brandon Moreno Fight that he had uh, So if that shows up once again uh, I think that he'll look very successful here And to get a name like Wilson Hayes on his record Is going to be very very uh, Good for him in his career Alright next up We got Jalen Tu Jalen <laughs> Jalen Turner Against um Why the hell does it say Tu Oh I see what I did. Haha. <laughs> Let me fix this for you guys on air because I don't really give a shit. Bam, diggity. There we go. All right. So, uh, Jalen Turner versus Matt Favola. This is going to be a great freaking fight. Uh, roughly around a pick-em-again. Um, so, I'm very intrigued with Jalen Turner here. I think that he could be a, a kind of a force to be reckoned with here, even though his record is only 8-4. and four. He got deaded by Vicente Luque in his first ever UFC fight, um, but then he came back and completely steamrolled Callum Potter, which, you know, completely mismatch of a fight, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, Matt Fervola here, you know, a guy that's 6-1-1, coming off a draw against Lando Veneta, uh and then before that he had been deaded by a freaking Polo Reyes, so... Uh, he hasn't seen a victory in the UFC. And I think in this fight against Jalen Turner, it could be very possible. Um, these guys both throw a heat. I think that Jalen Turner does obviously a really d- a decent job of uh, you know, m- managing his distance. Um, good kicks. Um, heavy power. Uh, and Matt Favola throws with nothing but power too. You know, I think he has a decent grappling game that he might be able to impose here on Jalen Turner, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get it. You know, Turner... Does very well with anybody that tries to close the distance. Vicente the Luque is just a way better striker than Matt Favola, so I don't expect Favola to kind of put on a clinic like Luque was able to. Um, I kind of lean Jalen Turner here, though. I think that we're going to see a really great performance from him. Um, and it's going to all come down to really if he's going to be able to keep the fight on the feet. If he's not able to keep the fight on the feet... I think that uh, Matt Favola could definitely have some uh, success on top, but a part of me just feels like Jalen Turner is going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. Um, decent takedown defense, you know, uh, nothing to run home about, but uh, I, I think Jalen Turner knocks out uh, Matt Frivola in the second round. You know, I'm going to call it the first round. I think Mafravolo just, you know, sometimes he just engages in some, like the Polo Reyes fight. He engages in these wars, and obviously it doesn't, it didn't end well for him in that fight. And even in the Lando Venata fight, you know, Venata, Venata was able to land on him plen- plenty of times. And I kind of give Turner the edge and power over Lando Venata um, at this point. So uh, I think we see a first round finished by Jalen Turner by KO. Yeah. All right, next up we got Nikita Krylov against Ovin St. Proulx, number two. They fought way back in the day, uh, 2014. That was Krylov's first ever fight down at 205, which is probably where he should have been his whole career. But he still managed to... Completely just dust the opposition when he was fighting uh, before the UFC at heavyweight, uh, and then after that fight, he managed to go on a five-fight winning streak, and then ran into Misha Sirkinov at UFC 206, and then unfortunately got guillotine choked near the end of the first round. After that, he decided to part. I, I'm not sure if the I think the UFC dropped him, but uh, he decided to part ways. He went over to Fight Night Global, got a couple victories over there, one in one in uh, Ukraine as well. Uh, and then he came back to the UFC and then ran into Jan Blachowicz, uh, and got arm-triangled in that fight. So one thing that I feel like that we haven't seen a super improvement from Krilov is is his uh, takedown uh, defense and his uh, his work off his back uh, and his submission defense. You know, uh, you know, got Von Von Prude by Ovin St. Pru when they first fought, uh, got guillotine by Misha Serkinov, and then got arm triangle by Jan Blachowicz. So if OSP decides to take this fight to the ground, he could probably ride this fight uh, uh, you know, out on top. Um, do I trust OSP to get those takedowns? I don't know. You know, Nikita Krilov, I think, if anything, he's made improvements in his stand-up, and he has looked decent when he, you know, the fight is in the stand-up realm, uh, but it's really just his... his his jiu-jitsu, his ground game, uh, there's a reason this fight is pretty much a pick-em right now. Because it depends on, again, will OSP um, go for the takedown almost immediately like he did in that fight against um, against Krilov? Or will he kind of stand there and let Krilov get some shots off and possibly even knock out OSP? Um, I think there's a high likelihood that this fight does not go to a decision. I think in 33 fights, or is that 31 fights, Nikita Krilov has never been to a decision. So... That's something to definitely keep in mind here. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with OSP. Uh, I really want to see Nikita Kurolov win. I'm a big fan of the guy. Um, I think he his nickname used to be like the Al Capone or some shit like that. But regardless, uh, with OSP, I think that you know his path to victory being so clear, it would be hard for me to see how he passes that up and not try to go for the takedown almost immediately. And, uh, you know, control the fight from there, whether it's getting a, a submission or whether it's just, uh, you know, laying on top, uh, sneaking in enough activity to keep the fight on the ground. Uh, but I think he knows that's where his, uh, his advantage is, and I think he'll take advantage of it here. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say OSP by by second round sub. Uh, maybe not another Von proof, but who the fuck knows? So I'm going to say second round sub for OSP. Alright, next fight is a fight that I actually have um I actually have money on. Alan Joban, the return of Alan Joban. He hasn't fought since February of twenty eighteen, so it's been more than a year since he's been out. Uh and he's going up against a, a guy in Dwight Grant who just recently fought as well. Starting off with Alan Joban, we know he's a very uh polished striker, uh, you know, puts together good combinations, fights long, uh good kicks, um you know Pretty aggressive on the feed, too, and maybe to his own undoing. um, I think if he gets a little aggressive here against Dwight Grant, he's going to really pay for it. Um, But that win against Ben Saunders, you know, decent win against a guy that pretty much anybody should be able to knock out at this point. But before that, he lost an equal price by a devastating KO and then guillotine choked by Gunnar Nelson in the fight before that. Before that, though. He was able to pull off a decision victory over Mike Perry, kind of like a Max Griffin type of win, where he was doing enough uh, and then getting out, of the, getting out of the situation as quick as possible. Um, Dwight Granthrow, I think he presents a different type of um, threat than any other fight that Alan Joban has had to this point. You know, Dwight Grant has this weird physique and this weird build. I forgot who it was. I think it was Paul Felder or Dominic Cruz who were commenting on the fact that this guy is almost like 80% limbs. You know what I mean? Like his torso isn't the biggest, but like his legs are so long and his reach is so long. And and even when he like blitzes on some of these guys, he comes in at these weird angles just because he's so lanky. Um, I think that's where it's going to give Alan Ban problems. You know, Dwight Grant is very powerful. The way he was able to put out Carlo Perezoli was very devastating. Um he, he has the ability to whether it's a counter or if it's a blitz, I think he has the he has the ability to find Alan Joban's chin on numerous occasions in this fight, and I think one of those is gonna put him out. Um I think he has enough power in his hands to drop Alan Joban and um finish him. I'm surprised that the odds are so close. And I think one thing that is kind of attributing to that is the fact that a lot of people see that Dwight Grant has a loss to Zach Otto in that fight or when they fought. Um, I think what the case was there was that people can say what they want about the decision but one thing about Dwight Grant is that it sometime he, sometimes he's quite una- inactive. Um, I think that could be a blessing and a curse in this fight. I think it could be a blessing in the sense that um, the lack of activity will allow him to keep his power for longer throughout that fight. But, uh, you know, if it gets to the full 15 minutes and it gets to a decision, that will probably be, uh, you know, the losing side uh, to be not that active. But again, like I said, within the 15 minutes, I think that he has that unorthodox style and that weird, you know, those weird angle entries um, or the weird entries. Let me word this properly. The weird... Uh, angles on his entries to throw off Alan Joban and, again, find that chin, put him out, and get the victory here. So I'm going to actually even go by first round first round KO. I think it's going to be quick. I think that Dwight Grant finds the chin, drops Alan Joban, and then GNPs him to a victory. So I'm going to go by with Dwight Grant. I got one unit at plus 103 currently. I think you guys will eventually be able to get plus money on him again. He's sitting at minus 102, but I think you know a lot of people know the Joban name, and I also think the fact that Dwight Grant has a loss to Zach Otto is good for betters. Uh, but bad for people that are letting them, uh, who are letting the fact that he has that loss to Otto on his ground, Otto on his record, um, throw them off and cloud their judgment in this fight. That's just what I think. But Dwight Grant first round KO. Next fight is the fight that I also have money on. Eric Anders versus Khalil Roundtree. So starting off with Eric Anders, he's coming off of two losses to Tiago Santos and Elias Deodoru. The Tiago Santos fight, you got to let that go a little bit. You know, before that, he fought uh, Tim Williams on August 25th and then came back less than a month later to fight on October 22nd against Thiago Santos, um, you know. Very short camp wasn't you know took that fight very short notice ended up going up in weight too both Thiago Santos and Eric Anders to make that fight happen at 205. Uh, you know he went three rounds but he was just completely exhausted and gassed after that. I think in this fight against Khalil Roundtree he could be very successful. Um, Khalil Roundtree, you know, that's a guy that has a ball of fire for like the first minute and a half to two minutes of the first round about a minute in the second round and then about thirty seconds of the third round. Um, I think that's you know, the fact that it, it's hard to bet on a guy that is only able to produce uh, you know, magic in those that amount of time. Um, and obviously a first round KO prop would be probably be the best bet for a Khalil Round Tree if you're gonna look for look to bet Khalil here. Um, but I thought the safest bet to go with in this aspect was minus uh, 175 on the fight to not go to a decision. So I could either see a clear roundtree completely blitzing and and putting out Eric Anders within that first round, um, or Eric Anders, um, you know, waiting till a clear roundtree gasses a little bit and then puts it on him a little more. You know, Eric Anders has heavy power in his hands, and clear roundtree is just coming off a knockout victory to our boy, Johnny Walker. Um, Eric Anders, slightly, you know, decent speed. Um, but again, I think with Khalil Roundtree sucking win after that first minute and a half of the first round, it only favors Eric Anders. And I think that's going to allow Eric Anders to find Khalil Roundtree's chin and put him out. Um, you know, he has some heat in his hands, and Cleo Roundtree also has heat too. But I, I think that with Khalil, with s- such of a small window to get a victory, I think you got to favor Eric Anders here. Like, it's either you bet Eric Anders... You bet the fight to not go to the decision, or you don't bet the fight at all. Or you put a little poke on Cleo roundtree by first round KO. But I thought the best play, and probably the best play of the card, is that fight to not go to the decision. And I think the line, the fact that it's at minus 175 is a bit of a blessing too. So I'm going to take that and and take advantage of that ASAP. Um, But yeah, uh, in terms of who I actually think is going to win, I've got to go with Eric Anders. I think, again, he puts out... Uh, Cleo Roundtree, probably second round, lands a big bomb, land, big overhand right, and puts Clear Roundtree to bed. Probably signifying the end of Clear Roundtree's run as well, in my opinion. Next up, co-main event, we got Kelvin Gaslam against Israel Adesanya, kicking things off with Kelvin Gaslam. He's coming off a split decision victory over Jacare Souza back in May of 2018. So it's almost been a full year since he's fought, but. Uh, you know, he did the ultimate fight with Robert Whitaker, and then they were scheduled to fight on February 9th of this year. Uh, unfortunately, we all know what happened with Whitaker and uh, his hernia, I think it was, um, which ended up pulling him from that fight, and then he fights Israel Adesanya now for the interim middleweight title. In the Jacare Race, was a fight uh... You know, Souza. It was it was very hairy for Calvin Gaslam in that first round. Jacare Souza was able to get the fight to the ground and control position. Calvin Gaslam did a good job of staying out of uh, out of bad submissions and surviving that. And then in the second round, he dropped Jacare a couple times to end up getting that second round. And then in the third round is where a lot of people thought it was a bit questionable. uh... I still give it to Gaslam. You know, Jacare is landing a lot of big shots, but his activity was kind of waning. And, uh, Calvin Gaslam was able to, you know, land enough shots throughout that round, in my opinion, to get that fight. So, say what you want about that fight. I still had Cal- Calvin Gaslam winning, uh, in the fight before that, he went into, I believe it was Shanghai and knock out Michael Bisping relatively quickly, uh, even though that night he was uh, supposed to fight Anderson Silva. Michael Bisping just wanted to step in. <laughs> excuse me. uh. Um, And even though Bisping fought two or three weeks before that against GSP, he still wanted to come into the fight, uh, but then ended up getting knocked out two and a half minutes in. Uh, Before that, you know, when Calvin Gaslam fought like a big 185-er, he found a lot of trouble trying to get, you know, the strength advantage against uh, Chris Weidman. he ended up losing by arm triangle choke in the third round in that fight. But with Calvin Gaston, we know what we're kind of getting with the guy that, you know, very crisp 1-2. Very fast. He's very good with getting into range and getting out without getting hit too bad. Uh, Jacare was able to land a couple times on him. But, uh, you know, he has a very good chin. He hasn't been knocked out. He's only been submitted um, or lost by decision. Uh but uh, I think he's going to have a hard time here with Israel Adesanya, who's a guy that probably is one of the best guys to manage range in the middleweight division. Um, you know, Adesanya has no qualms going five rounds or three rounds and completely putting on a striking clinic, and even just winning a uh, winning a relatively close fight, but knowing that he won it. Um, in this fight against Calvin Glassman, he's going to have a lot to worry about. You know, he I think this is the toughest test that he's had so far in the UFC. You know, he fought a washed-up Anderson a washed-up-ish. You know, I'm going to say, you know, Anderson kind of showed up for that fight. I was surprised at how well he did in that fight. Um, but, you know completely dusted Derek Brunson, who had a very blitzing style and a very crazy style that, you know, ended up allowing him to get knocked out, but he went on, it went to a five-round decision against Brad Tavares, had a split decision victory over Marvin Vittori, and then finished Rob Wilkinson in the second round. Uh, you know, I don't rate Wilkinson at all, so say say, well, say whatever the fuck you want about that fight. Um, so I think he's really going to have to weather the first two rounds. Ra- I think is going to have to weather the first two rounds from Calvin Gaslam, since that's, the, that's, those are the two rounds I think he's going to be most dangerous. If he, if Adesanya is able to, you know, stay out of position or stay out of submissions, I think that Gasol might get a takedown or two here. So, he's going to have to be on his p's and q's with the submission defense. But uh, after that, I think he. He could probably get the third, fourth, and fifth round just based off of striking and be able to, you know, keep Kelvin Gaslum on the outside. Gaslam won't be strong enough to, uh, later in the fight to be able to, you know, muscle these takedowns down. Uh, and Adesanya has great, great movement and great awareness too. So I think he's really been working on his takedown game. Ugh, takedown game. Um, but man, this, this fight is just so hard to call. I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna go with Adesanya here. I think that he outstrikes Kelvin Gastelum probably to a five-round decision. Gastelum is tough as fuck. but It's going to be hard to put him out. So even if he's tired, I think that Adesanya is going to have some real, real issues like putting together enough strikes or powerful, fu- powerful enough strikes to put Kelvin Gastelum out. Because Gastelum again still very quick with that one-two. Uh, you know, dropped many a times, dropped many people with that. So if Adesanya is able to weather that first two rounds, I think that he can wi- go on. To win the last three rounds. uh, And get the decision victory. But. Gaslam has come through as an underdog. Against many guys. So. Just remember that. (laughs) But I got. uh, Sorry. I got Israel Adesanya. By. Decision. Main event. Time. Let me take a sip of water. Before this one. Nothing like cold water. <laughs> Alright, we got Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier for the interim lightweight champion. As could be, serves out of suspension or just stays the fuck out from fighting because doesn't like fighting. <laughs> uh, so Max Holloway has a chance to become interim champ. Champ or champ interim champ, however you want to list it. And Dustin Poirier tries to realize his first ever UFC gold. Uh, Max Holloway coming off a battering of Brian Ortega back in July, or sorry, back in December against uh, yeah Brian Ortega, completely whooped him on the feet. You know there were a, there were a couple times where Brian Ortega landed some hail mary shots, but it wasn't anything too much that put Max Holloway in danger. I think if that fight went to a decision, it probably would have been like fucking 10-8s all over the board. Maybe even a 10-7, I wouldn't be surprised. But good on Henry Grayson and those guys to, to make sure that Brian Ortega didn't go out there and get another five minutes of, of beating. That probably would have taken a little bit more off his life and more off of his mental health. But Max Holloway really showed in that fight that, you know, able to manage distance very well. Joe Rogan kept talking talking about it in the commentary as well in terms of he was always able to hit what he needs to hit and then get out of the way to, to evade any shots coming back at him. Um, you know, he did the same in the Jose Aldo fights. He was able to frustrate Jose Aldo and let Jose Aldo just swing and miss and swing and miss and then eventually tire himself out and then Holloway was able to just start putting on the pressure. The one thing that is probably most scary the, the probably the scariest thing about max Holloway's game is his cardio and his ability to be able to put it on these guys and and turn up the heat and turn up the volume later in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds of these fights, like even in that Brandon Ortega fight, he called a shot he kind of called a shot he said, this is the round i 'm going to finish it in. and and it 's hard to get that type of um, it 's hard to get that type of uh, craziness from some of these guys when you're going into the 4th round of a fight you know I mean some guys are sucking wind some guys are like fuck I got 2 more rounds I got 1 more round left this is nuts but Max Holloway thrives in that shit Max Holloway I think he has the ability to break Dustin Poirier here you know Uh, before I completely read Dustin Poirier off you know Poirier has shown a lot of great skills in in this lead up uh, to to this title shot you know he lost to Michael Johnson back in uh, 2016 but since then uh, has the Jim Wo- Jim Miller decision victory, uh, the no contest to Eddie Alvarez, um, a rib injury to Anthony Perez, say what you want about that, Justin Gaethje in a fight that, you know, could have probably gone the other way if Justin, Ch- Justin Gaethje's chin held up. Uh, but, you know, Gaethje was really battering Dustin Poirier's leg in that fight, and it, it was very visibly showing. Like, I'm surprised that Dustin Poirier was able to, uh, was able to, get so much pressure or create enough of power to put Justin Gaethje out, uh, especially with, you know, one of his wheels being so fucking badly damaged. But he was able to, within 33 seconds of that first, or that fourth round to rock Justin Gaethje, put it on him, and then eventually get the victory there. But, um, he comes back in the next fight and decisively finishes Eddie Alvarez in the second round. Um, and now he's up against Max Holloway, which is probably, again, his stiffest test in this run of guys that he's fought. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if Dustin Poirier's cardio is going to be able to to hold up all five rounds. You know, he got that victory against uh, Justin Gaethje in the fourth round, but Dustin Poirier, and with the pace that Max Holloway puts on him too, it's going to be very intriguing. I I loved Max Holloway here. It's all going to come down to Dustin Poirier and his his willingness to engage in the grappling. Um, I think he has, you know, I think they're kind of at the same level in terms of grappling. I would... Maybe even give the edge a little bit to Dustin Poirier. But I'm not sure how much improvement we can really see from Max Holloway uh, in this fight. He, he might look like a fucking jujitsu wizard. I'm not sure. But from what I've seen from tape, I'm a little bit more sold on Dustin Poirier being the better grappler here. Um, and we've seen Max Holloway get taken down numerous times by guys. So I think that Dustin Poirier has the strength uh, and the wrestling capability to get this fight to the ground. Um, how consistently can he do it is the question is Max Holloway going to be, you know, maybe conceive some of those takeo- takedowns in the first two rounds, but then in the third, fourth, fifth round start to put it on Poirier enough that he he's able to just, you know, evade these takedowns just through his striking. Um I I just don't know. It's going to be interesting to see Max Holloway at 155 as well. You know, he you know, he he has a little bit of issues coming down cutting down to 145 from what I've heard, but uh at 155, you know he's going to be completely healthy. He's going to have a, you know, a full camp behind him as well here now too. Um, hopefully his concussion symptoms are all gone. But I, I really like Max Holloway here. I I wouldn't play him above minus 200 though because you still can't count out. Uh, you still can't count out Dustin Poirier. But what's the 205 be- is the best line you can currently get on Max Holloway. I'm not sure if that line gets closer or not. I really don't know. Like, it's, it's been pretty high. Like, Bookmaker had it as high as minus 265. But I think that's too big. Like, Dustin Poirier is not a complete chump. I think that he has a really good chance to win this fight again if he's able to initiate his grappling. Because uh, that, that could be his key to victory here. And I think with a camp like ATT behind him, I think he's smart enough to, to know that. So, I could see easily Dustin Poirier probably squeaking out like three rounds just through grappling alone. But it's going to all come down to uh, Max Holloway's ability to, to, to keep the pressure on, uh, with his, keep his cardio up, keep the output there, and then eventually start sticking, you know, sticking the jab out there and making sure that Dustin Poirier you know, is too hesitant to come uh, and, and close the distance. I don't know what it is about Dustin Poirier, but I feel like Max Holloway has a greater will here as well. Um, and I think that Max Holloway um, is going to be able to, to break Dustin Poirier. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I wouldn't be surprised going into the fourth or fifth round if we see Max Holloway, you know, fucking trying to pump up the crowd and 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 get the people behind him and, and Dustin Poirier is just beat up, bruised, and just kind of demoralized. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But you guys are here for my pick. And I'm gonna go with Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway is just one of the best guys out there right now. Um and the improvements that we see in him, see in him. From a, on a fight to fight basis is just immense, and uh, I think he's going to be able to, to level the record or the, f- the, 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 the record here with uh, Dustin Poirier and go one and one. Will we see a rubber match eventually? Maybe who knows? But I think that uh, even though in the order of things it would be nice if Dustin Poirier won, uh, I think that this is just Max Holloway's time. It's going to be unfortunate that he can only call himself the interim lightweight champion. uh, But at least he secures himself a fight with Khabib. uh, So that would be great to see. Um, And remember, last year around this time, we were supposed to get that fight too, short notice. So we might still end up getting that fight regardless. But my official pick is going to be Max Holloway by 5th round TKO. Let's say 5th round TKO. It's going to be a war. And then in the 5th round, we eventually get Max Holloway. Overwhelming. And probably even get like a standing TKO finish against Dustin Poirier. That's it. That's UFC 236. Holy shit. It feels like forever since I did that. It was a great segment to start off the show as well with my man Big Rob with the casuals. But uh, yeah, so my picks are free for the next two weeks. Or at least for the next two events until I hit my next L. Um, And again, my plays or my lock on the night play is Dwight Grant. Oh, sorry. My dog of the night play is Dwight Grant. One unit at plus 103. And then uh, my lock of the night play is five units on uh, Eric Anders and Khalil Rountree to not go to a decision. Five units at minus 175. So that's what I'm playing for this weekend. it if you guys please. Um, but those are my picks as well. Just remember with the Boston Salmon and the Khalid Taha fight. Not confident in that at all. So look elsewhere for uh, uh, for info on that. But uh Lock Fight League Season 6 is starting up this week, so I'm excited to get that going. Um, The Tape Index has been going fucking great, too, so make sure you guys check that out if you guys need some quick help and very useful resources uh, through the Tape Index as well, so make sure you guys hit up my man Newsome's site, uh, go to Betting Services, and then Tape Index will be there, and you have everything you need for UFC 236 to prepare and research for it right at a fucking click away uh of sewers just released a second episode yesterday uh or the day before that but uh decent response so far you know i know it's going to take a while to get that uh you know it's going to take a while to get people behind that one but i, I love doing that show it's pretty much what my best friend tony uh you know it's so easy for us to talk about the sport and have fun with it too so we you know we crack some jokes we have some fun um and then try to introduce different perspectives on certain topics uh one i think will be very intriguing to a lot of people is we try to figure out who has the best chance at dethroning khabib uh at the 155 division so make sure you guys check back on the channel uh combatter stories episode number two it's up there check it out leave a comment uh subscribe like it do whatever the fuck you guys need to do get in contact with me you know what i mean I, I love talking to you guys as well at MMALOT on on twitter um and, yeah, just keep your eyes on my Twitter account for the rest of this week. There may or may not be another play I'm playing. I've already said that this will probably be it with those two plays, but I don't know. There might be a, a prop that catches my eye or something. So make sure you guys stay tuned on the Twitter feed. But that's pretty much about it. Next week, we're going to be back for, uh, I think it's UFC St. Petersburg, which is headlined by Alexei Olynyk and Alistair Overeem. Should be a decent fight, decent card. Uh but I'm psyched to get back into it and, and keep breaking it down for you guys. I think we've got six straight weeks of events, so I'm going to be back on a week-to-week basis once again. My man Big Rob's going to hate me by the end of this. But <laughs> he loves doing it, so I'm not too worried. Uh, yeah, that's fucking it. I'm done. That's it. Peace. <laughs>